hey, welcome to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. And that might be a sign that Pastor Dave is back. And he'll be starting a series today called Signs, oddly enough. And today, Pastor Dave will be teaching from the book of John. Afterwards, check out our website. A lot of info there about what's going on at the church. In fact, our vacation Bible experience will be starting soon. I believe that's on August 10th, 11th, and 12th. More information to come. Hey, if you're looking for a church, haven't been to church in a while, come and check out Houghton Baptist. Come as you are. We do. Enjoy the podcast and have a great day. Awesome to train people up. Listen, why do we put off such faith steps? And we do. We, we say, well, I've got to wait for the perfect moment. I've got to wait till I'm this perfect Christian. I've got everything lined up, and I'm doing all the right things, and I'm saying all the right things, and now I'm ready to get baptized. Listen, church, faith steps are simple, and God makes it simple. So if you want to get baptized, you talk to me, and, and we'll make it happen. And probably won't do it in the canal because, boy, was that water freezing. <laughs> it's cold. We've got to do it in some hot tubs. I've done two baptisms in hot tubs, and those were the most enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> It was a good time. In fact, one of the baptisms that I did, he wanted to put a GoPro on, and so we baptized him with the GoPro so he could remember it, and how cool is that? Let's pray, all right, that God does something in our lives and that he speaks to us. We need him to work. We need his Holy Spirit to help us engage in truth, so let's pray. Father God, you are able, and you are worthy, and we so thank you for what you're doing. You are you're working in our midst, and Lord, I pray that this would not be just another Sunday service that we attend, but a a moment, a pivotal moment in which we engage you. God, I pray today that if there's one that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior that's sitting here this morning, I pray that through the teaching of your word and uh, the Holy Spirit working and moving, God, that they would be drawn to you or that they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for the believer this morning that's wore out and weary and tired. God, would you give them energy and strength and renew them, renew their passion for you and their zeal for you. God, I pray for physical healing on our church body. A lot of things have happened over the last few months. And God, we know that you're working in the midst of those trials. And I pray, God, that you would fill us this morning. Lord, I'm nothing without you. We're nothing without you. We, we need you to work and help us engage. And Lord, I pray that you do something special this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So over the next seven weeks, which by the way, I'm, I'm happy to be in the pulpit. I enjoyed serving last week on the praise team and Thankful for uh, men of God to step in and, and fill for me and just continue to grow our preaching ministry here. And, uh, but I'm excited to be here, and I believe God's given us something that uh, we can relate to and engage in. But over the next seven weeks, we're going to break down seven different signs that Jesus performed throughout his earthly ministry. Now, Jesus performed more than seven miracles or signs. Just look at the other Gospels. But these were the ones that John the writer made sure to include in his account, and for good reason. John twenty thirty one says this, These are written that you may believe, how important is that, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, 
Isn't that good? Life in his name. These signs were life-altering. These signs were intended to point lost people to faith in Jesus Christ. So the first sign we're going to look at this morning takes place in Cana of Galilee. Everybody say Cana of Galilee. You guys are getting so good at that. I didn't bring stickers this morning, but maybe next week. This was Jesus Christ's coming out party, if you will. Have you ever been to a wedding that had drama? Right? Maybe a family argument or, or dispute. Well, Jill and I got married about 11 years ago. In fact, in a few weeks, we celebrate our anniversary, which we're super excited about. But we got married on a beautiful summer day overlooking Houghton over at the Bluffs in the back. And it was just this beautiful garden ceremony. I mean, everything was just right. Uh, birds were chirping and squirrels were dancing and... I had just married the love of my life, and then our reception happened. <laughs> Drama quickly was unfolding at my family's table. Not, not Jillian's family. Often we talk about this, that uh, she's got the normal family, and I do not. I was blessed, of course. But let's just say this, church, it was as though my entire family had lost their minds at our reception. They, they had forgotten whose day it was and why we were there celebrating in the first place. Long story short, I got into a heated argument. That was fun. Outside the venue of our reception with some of my family, which took me away from my bride, away from the love of my life. Church, I I missed more than half of my own wedding reception because of unnecessary drama with family, life circumstances, by By the way, I owe my wife a proper wedding reception. Maybe on our 25th we can kind of redo things. I think there are times in life that we forget the things that God has given us to be joyful about. Amen? Maybe there this morning. Times we forget why we're even here. What's the point? Just waiting for God to do something more in our lives. Something miraculous. Some of you are in a season of darkness. And you're here this morning. A season of of teaching and shaping, a a season where you need God to, to, to desperately move in and do something in your life. You see, church, we let the distractions of life, these seasons of emptiness, take us away from what God has for us. Don't we? Amen? Like three people agree? You can nod, you can smile, engage a little bit, it's all right. In life, God gives us these things to celebrate, even when we're hurting, even when we're broken and going through things. He gives us big things and and little things, but nevertheless, things to celebrate. Last night, my daughter was trying to get outside around 9 o'clock. I said, you're not going outside. Please, Daddy, please, Daddy, please. I said, no, you're not going outside. I want to go outside, please. I said, listen, it's almost 9 o'clock. You've got to stay inside, please. And finally, I said, okay, go ahead and... And go outside, and the next thing you know it, Jillian comes in and says, Ryan's riding her bike without training wheels. Apparently, she she took the neighbor's bike. I hadn't taken the training wheels off of her bike yet. But there she is on the back street, cruising around, back and forth. The little girl was kind of chasing behind her, you know, wanted her bike back. Right there, look at me. (laughs) Dad, aren't you proud? Absolutely. Kate and I and Mom, we're all standing there, and we're looking, and we're clapping, and we're celebrating a moment, 
a moment. Sometimes we miss out on those little things because we're focused on other things. We miss out on the joy of the Lord, don't we? I wonder how many here this morning are going through life without any joy or maybe very little joy. We miss out on God's provision because we're so focused on what we don't have, where we lack, right? We miss out on family, don't we? Just moments with family. Because we've learned as we're hurting and we're going through seasons of difficulty to sort of just withdraw. Have you ever just withdrawn from your family? Guys, we're guilty of this, aren't we? We just withdraw. Moms, we just withdraw. And we miss out on these special moments. We withdraw. We miss out on God's blessings. His power, not, not to mention life circumstances, takes our attention away from our first love. Amen? Everybody say first love. So proud of you guys. Revelations 2 through through 4 says this, Without growing weary, you have persevered. I love that word, persevered. And you've endured many things for the sake of my name. This is Jesus writing to the church of Ephesus. But he says this, I have this against you. You have abandoned your first love. In other words, you have stayed the course. You've endured many things, but you have lost something along the way. I wonder how many this morning have lost something along the way. Pastor, I've stayed the course. I've endured. I've persevered. I've stayed the course, but we've lost something. Maybe that's you this morning. We must find a way back to him. Amen? Then he writes this in Revelations. Remember how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you did at first. This morning as we look at the sign, let's keep in mind God's desire for each of us. As we sit, we don't continue to miss what he has for us. Let's look at John chapter 2. John chapter 2, if you want to turn there with me. John chapter 2, we'll start right in verse 1. Man, I'm excited about this series. You excited? All right. So proud of you guys. John chapter 2. God's got some great things in store for us, and it comes to the teaching of his word. Feel free to use your smartphones or iPads. If you want to follow along through your Bible app, that's fine. John chapter 2 says this. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told them, they don't have any wine. What is this concern of yours to do with me, woman? Jesus asked. My hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Now six stone water jars have been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief servant. And they did. When the chief servant tasted the water after it had become wine, he did not know where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He called the groom and told them, Everybody sets out the fine wine first, then after people have drunk freely the inferior, but you have kept the fine wine until now. It's pretty cool. Verse 11 says, Jesus performed his first sign in Cana of Galilee. He displayed his glory. And the Bible says his disciples believed in him. Let's stop there. 
The first thing I want you to notice from the text here is that the wedding took place on the third day. Now, now why would the third day be significant? Well, to the reader of this time period, the mention of the third day would have very little weight or significance because this was the day that Jews got married on. But John, the writer here, is working on something far greater. He, he's setting the stage or the table for a greater victory. What happens on the third day? That's right, church. On the third day, he rose from the grave. On the third day, he conquered death. On the third day, he defeated Satan. Church, isn't it fitting? Jesus' very first sign and miracle would take place on the third day. Remember I told you earlier that John was intentional about writing these things that, that would lead lost people to faith in Jesus Christ. So, so here we are on the third day. Everybody say third day. Awesome. And Jesus and his friends were invited to this wedding at Cana of Galilee. Keep in mind, at this point, there were only six disciples. The twelve had not yet come together. They were just getting started in their ministry. And from the text, the Bible says Mary was there to help out. The disciples and Jesus were there to simply attend this, this wedding ceremony. That's it. They were invited guests. But something happens at this wedding. Something really, really bad. Drama unfolds, and they run out of wine. And a dispute an argument. I don't know if it was a heated argument or disagreement between Mary and Jesus, but something happens between those two. Now watch this. Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Kings, was there at this wedding to celebrate. Jesus was there to support the, the bride and groom, this covenant. Jesus was there to honor the couple. Maybe it was a family friend of theirs. Some speculate it was the, the writer's own wedding festival. But Jesus was there as a guest, not a servant, not a, a member of the wedding party. He wasn't there to provide refreshments or cocktail weenies, right, or beverages for the guest. He wasn't there to make sure that this was the best party of the year. You see, the family's planning was poor. Their planning was poor. They had miscalculated how much wine that they would need. In fact, they weren't able to come up with more wine. The family would live in shame. So now this was Jesus' issue, Jesus' problem, and Mary was stepping in to help. This was a big deal to the bride and groom. Imagine throwing a party and you run out of everything. Pretty embarrassing, right? In this culture... This was a shameful thing, so this was huge for them. It wasn't just about refreshments or beverages. Sometimes in life, church, we get into situations that are over our heads. Anybody there this morning? You're in a situation that you're over your head. Situations, and don't throw anything at me this morning, that we brought on due to poor planning. Situations where we might have, have miscalculated the situation. And we look to God to bail us out. Don't we? Aren't we guilty? God, bail me out of this. Bail me out. We look to God to bail us out of a mess that oftentimes we created. 
that we made for ourselves. A, a mess we should have never been in to begin with. Hear me out on this. I don't want everybody to leave here discouraged this morning. But here's truth. Not every time will God bail us out of these types of situations. If you're sitting here today, yeah, I've created a mess in my life. I've done some things that are wrong and horrible, and I've stirred this nest, and things are happening. And God just won't bail me out. I'm waiting for God to do something, but he's not doing anything. I'm a mess. Let me just say this, church. God is gracious. God is helpful in those times. God is understanding and merciful to our mistakes, and we make many mistakes. Amen? Am I the only one? But sometimes, everybody say sometimes, God lets us sit on the burner until we reach a boil. A temperature that's perfect for teaching and leading, a temperature that produces life change, a temperature that will instill greater faith and strength and power in you as you sit on that burner and it's hot and it's uncomfortable and you just want to get off and God does nothing. I'm just going to let you sit there a little longer. And we whine about it. We complain about it. I'm talking about myself. Get me off, God. Do something. God doesn't work in our lives. He loves you and he's gracious. But hear me out on this. God doesn't work in our lives for the sake of making life comfortable for us. Or easy for us. Don't we want the easy life? We just want the good life, don't we? My kids always say, Dad, this is the good life. God's been gracious. He works in and through our situations so that it will produce greater change in us. How we live, how we conduct ourselves, how we take care of our finances, how we take care of our marriages, how our households are ran. Mary comes to Jesus and says, Son, we're out of wine. I, I need your help. We're, we're in a tough spot. Pretty tough to say no to your own mother. And yet Jesus' first response, see, i got a little rebellious heart, you know, a little rebellious nature, and I just love this. Jesus' first response is, Mom, Mom, I'm not here for that. If you've ever talked to my own mom, which more than likely you have because she's a talker, she's famous for her questions at the most awkward times. She just is. I normally tell her, Mom, now's not a good time. Well, you want to talk about your dad or, or sit? No, no. I've got to preach in about five minutes. No, I don't want to discuss things right now. But, but what about this? No. Now's. You got a mom like that? I love her. I told her I was going to talk about her this morning, so I got permission. You got a mom like that? Jesus tells his own mother, I didn't come here for that. Pretty bold, right? I didn't come here for that. I know you think, Mom, that you need my help right now, and this party is is not a cool party, and we've ran out of wine. I get that. There's things at stake, but they can wait a bit. Everyone will be okay. Let me just say this while we're on the topic, because I know some of you right now are just waiting for this message to be an anti-drinking message. In fact, from the second I said wedding at Cana, you thought, oh boy, here we go. This sign at Cana had nothing to do with the wine and everything to do with the sign. 
Did you catch that? Let me repeat that. This sign, this this miracle had nothing to do with the wine or the beverage and everything to do with the sign. And, And yet, sometimes we turn this miracle into something it's not. Everybody say signs. Hear me out on this. John didn't record this very special event. This sign in Cana of Jesus Christ, the Son of God turning water into wine so that God's people, God's children would feel good about drinking. Amen? Now, whether you drink, that's between you and God. I don't don't really care, to be honest. But it's important as we look at God's word and the text to look at it with the right eyes and the right perspective. This passage, this moment was written so that lost people, lost people, would see Jesus Christ as God. That they would see his ability and his power in a way that they had never, ever, ever seen before. Only God could do such a miracle. Here all they're concerned about is more wine. Needing something. Mary needing help. Jesus was there at the celebration. Jesus was there at the table. He was about to do something miraculous they had never, ever seen before. Jesus says, this concern of yours, what does this have to do with me? In other words, Mom, this is your problem, not mine. My hour has not yet come. Sometimes there are problems in life, situations that come up that are hard and difficult and they're grueling to deal with. And Jesus Christ doesn't fix it right away. He just doesn't. Sometimes there are catastrophes in life that Jesus tends to hang back on. Why does he do that? I wish I knew. Amen? Why does he do that? Why does he put us through such difficulties, such times of testing? Because the very thing that was put there in your life for teaching, for shaping, for molding, for growth, hasn't yet taught you the lesson. Amen? It hasn't shaped you enough. It hasn't grown you. I keep asking God, why haven't you healed me yet? Why haven't you worked? Why haven't you taken me off this burner? Why am I still dealing with it? I've got more growing to do. Amen? I'd like it to be done. I'd like to feel well. I'm not done growing. You're in your situation for a reason. God is trying to refine you, shape you, smooth out all the rough edges and grow you. Pastor, it's uncomfortable. Yes! Uncomfortability grows us. It just does. When life is perfect, think of those moments in your life when life was just easy and smooth sailing, everything was happy, and butterflies, rainbows, never. <laughs> How much growing did you do? None. It was comfortable, enjoyable, life was great, but very little growing. See, God is more interested in growing us, church, than giving us lives of comfortability. These trials are there in our lives to produce greater change in us. We tend to blow right past change and continue to live exactly the same way. 
I've been at this church about 13, 14 years. So I know a lot of you, and I've walked this life with you, this journey with you. Let your trials and your situations and your hurts and your brokenness grow you. Amen? Stop fighting. Stop running. We're good running, aren't we? Escape artist. God, you'll never catch me. Let these things refine you and shape you and grow you. Or else God's going to just keep you on that burner. I've experienced that in my own life. Let him work. What did Jesus mean by this statement? Was, was he being rude? Kind of seems like it. How dare he talk to his mother that way? Was he being selfish? No. Jesus Christ knew the second that he performed this sign, this miracle, that things would radically change for him and for the disciples, for the guests, for Mary, that his pursuit of the cross in Calvary and pursuit of his destiny would be that much closer. Think of the weight of that decision just to decide whether to respond to their help, their plea. Jesus gives Mary this great explanation, and Mary simply ignores it. Typical mom. Right? Basically, son, I hear what you're, you're saying, but I'm your, your mother. I, I need your help. Has God ever ignored your plea? Has God ever been silent when you needed him to speak the most in your life? I told someone the other day, I've been in a season of silence. A season of darkness. A season where God has kept me in the dark about many things. But we just keep pursuing the cross and staying faithful and allow God to be teaching and working. Maybe you can relate to that. Season of darkness, difficulty. Maybe you need God this morning to show you his plan. Sometimes I just say, God, will you just show me what you have for me? Show me what you're doing in this. Maybe you need God to to show you His works and His glory. Maybe you need God to, to give you a sign of what He's doing. To head in the right direction. Listen, He's the sign. Head towards Christ. Head towards Him. Well, I'm broken, I'm hurting, I'm battling this addiction and this temptation. Head towards Jesus. I'm lonely. I'm angry. I'm I have burdens and There's weights in my life, and I can't get away from them. Head towards the cross. Head towards Jesus. He'll give you relief. Maybe you need God to give you something to celebrate. Let me challenge you this. Even in your brokenness, there are things to celebrate. We have to open our eyes and pay attention to what God is doing. If you're like me, you need God's presence more than anything else. You need God's saving power. You need God to step up and step into your situation. Not next week. Not next month. Today. Today. Mary explains to the help that they better do what Jesus tells them to do. Remember, she ignored his explanation. Be ready. Be willing. Be obedient. Isn't that important as we seek God's help? I'm not suggesting perfection or performance-based blessing, but there are things that we must do, church, while we wait for God to help us. 
We, we cannot sit back and just wait for God or expect God to do things for us, but do things with us while we're moving, while we're marching, while we're actively pursuing Jesus and his help. Then and only then does God step in and do something out of nothing. The Bible says that there were six stone jars and each one would hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. The jars were set aside for Jewish purification. And what's cool here is that Jesus used something ordinary to do something extraordinary. God sometimes uses the ordinary in your life to do something extraordinary. Jesus commands the servants, the help, the waiters, if you will, to go fill the jars with water. Not wine, but water. How would filling the jars with water solve their problem. They needed more wine. God sometimes takes us the long way around. Amen? To teach us to walk by faith. The long way around. Why did he include these servants? On his very first sign. This was his coming out party. This was his first miracle. Why didn't he just say, you know what, step aside, I've got this, I'm able. He could have, right? But he engaged the help, the servants, the people, the guests at the celebration. Surely he could have done it without them. Surely he could have done it without the water and the purification jars. That's the way that he chose Some of you this morning are waiting for God to give you a sign. Say signs. A reason to live. So, Pastor, my life's pretty good. Good for you. (laughs) Some of you are broken and hurting. Some of you this morning are waiting for God to give you a reason to believe, a reason for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Some of you aren't churched, right? You've never experienced God work in your life. You have no idea what a relationship with Jesus even is. You're just here. Listen, you're not here by accident. It's a divine appointment that God set up for you to draw you in. Maybe some of you are looking for a way out of your situation, and it's dark, and you're desperate. Some of you are looking for God to create something out of nothing. Some of you are looking for the extraordinary without seeing the ordinary in your life. Let me just say this. Do your part. Amen? And I'm preaching to myself this morning. Do your part. Remember your first love. Amen? Not your bride. Not your wife. Not your husband. Christ. Remember Christ. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. Believe God for your sign. I don't know what that is for you. You do. You know what you're waiting for. You know what you're praying about. Believe God for your sign. Stay the course. Amen? Keep moving. Repent. We don't talk about that enough in church. Do we? Repent. Confess sin. Confess doubt. Confess times where you've strayed from God in your relationship. Confess brokenness. Confess fear. Confess anxiety. Tell God you can't do it without Him. Isn't that a good place to be? I can't do this life 
without you. That's where we need to be. Do what you know to do. Do what you know to do. Be in prayer. Be in the word. Let him speak to you. Nothing happened. Get in the word again. God didn't answer my prayer. I'm still addicted. I'm still suffering. I'm still broken. I'm still tempted. Pray again. Pray again. Get in the word. Stay walking faithfully. The servants did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They filled the jars with water to the brim. They did their part. They participated in this very first sign, this miracle. And the Bible says, I love this part. You ready? No. When the head waiter tasted the wine, it was the best that he had tasted the entire night. The best he had tasted the entire night. God takes situations in our lives that seem bleak and dark, that seem impossible, and make them possible. God takes just simple steps of obedience and turns them into miraculous, pivotal moments in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And He moves you that much closer to Him, forward in your faith. God made something out of nothing. Surely He's able to do something in your life in your mess, in your storm. What's your nothing look like? What's your nothing look like? What's your impossible look like? What's your ordinary? Every head bowed, eyes closed. Every head bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to have the worship team come forward. Every head bowed, eyes closed, except for the worship team. We don't want that to happen. God is doing something in your life. I don't know what that is. Only you know. God knows the situation. God knows the addiction. God knows the brokenness. God knows the the financial need. God knows the life circumstances. He knows all of these things. All you have to do this morning is say, God, I trust you. I haven't been faithful. I've walked away. I've lived with fear and doubt, but this morning I decide to trust you in my storm. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you know of Jesus. Maybe you've been to church a few times. Maybe you've been in church your entire life. It doesn't matter. But you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Don't walk away from today. Not putting your faith in Christ. He loves you. He died for you. He gave his life on Calvary for you so that you would have life, eternal life, abundant life. If you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, no one else is looking, just me, not even the worship team, would you just slip your hand up? And I just want to pray for you. I'm not calling you up front. I'm not going to call you out. You want to make sure that you've given your life to Christ. I see those hands. Simply say this prayer. I'm not going to come to you. No one even knows who you are. I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose from the grave so that I would have eternal life. Today I'm choosing to repent from my sin, turn from that old nature, that old way, that old life, and I put in my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says if you confess, you are saved. If you confess your sins and you believe that He's Lord of Lords, you are saved. I believe you just got saved this morning. I praise God for that. Listen, if you want to talk to me after, I'm free to do so. If there were others that were too afraid to raise their hand, listen, you could have prayed the same prayer. I encourage you to talk to somebody. Plug in. God wants to do something miraculous in your life for your good and for His glory. For your good and His glory. Keep your head bowed, eyes closed. Listen to what verse 11 says, and I'm just going to close with this, and then I will pray. Jesus performed this first sign in Cana of Galilee. He displayed His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. Amen? Father God, we love You and we praise You. And Lord, we just thank You that uh, a few just confirmed that they wanted to give their lives to Jesus Christ. We praise You for that. God, You're good, You're gracious, You're mighty. Lord, I pray that You would allow these two to be encouraged in the faith to trust You, fully trust You without any doubt. You're a gracious God. Let us sing praises to Your name. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand at this? Thanks for listening to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope the message spoke to you. If you haven't been to our church, come and check us out. We're on Sharon Avenue in Houghton. You can take a look at our webpage, HoughtonBaptist.org, get more information about our location and some of the things going on in the church. Also, check out our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Lots of activity there. Houghton Baptist. The truth is spoken here. Come as you are. We do. Come and check us out every Sunday, 10 a.m. Be there. Thanks for stopping by, and have a great day.